Hello bisexuals, welcome back to another episode of the Bisexual Agenda. I'm your host Kit Scales and today is my sister's birthday when this episode goes out. So happy birthday Emily, I love you so much. You are the best bisexual sister I could ever ask for. You're a star. So today we are welcoming Carl back to the podcast. He hasn't been on since episode four, I believe, when we talked about crushes. And we're talking about Shiver Baby in this episode, which was released in 2020. And it's directed by Emma Seligman. And it's about a bisexual sex worker at a shiver. And if you want to watch the movie before the episode, go ahead. It will contain a lot of spoilers. And I've included all the trigger warnings as usual in the description. Thank you so much for the listener who recommended doing a podcast on this film. I had seen it already and I rewatched it with Amelia and it's just bisexual chaos. We survived Mercury retrograde again. We're in Aquarius season, so it's a great time to just be a little freak, get a tattoo, uh, reject authority in all forms. And yeah, hope you enjoy the episode. If you want to suggest an episode topic for the future, you can message me on Instagram at the Bisexual Agenda Pod. And I hope you have a good day. Welcome back. The only man allowed on my podcast. Well, the Ooh. only. Yeah, I've had two other men on the podcast. Yeah, but I'm the only man that's allowed on the podcast. Like, let me get real. You're Those two were really uninvited. <laughs> the only uninvited guests on the podcast. <laughs> they just barrage their way in. <laughs> No, that was, oh, but that was so embarrassing because that was when I did the one about open relationships and by the time it came out, I'd broken up. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm still putting it out, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas it turns out, yeah, crushes are forever. So um, here I am. <laughs> yes, we love Carl. <laughs> the best way to make a friend is to fancy them, yep. bully them into becoming bisexual and then yep. become their regular friend. Yeah, I've basically just become your like, project for about yeah. five years that seems to be what's just happened <laughs> i'm just kit just went oh, how do i want a man to be let's just experiment on this like very malleable like, i'd like you to wear a crop top carl <laughs> just like all right yeah, sure. that? yeah bought that mesh top yeah just it's all going a bit wild i love it so today we're talking about shiver baby mm, yeah which is a actual bisexual film yeah which I know. most films are not no there's a lack no there's a lack there's of bisexuals out there. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, in terms of sort of like p- proportion of people in the world, there are less bisexuals than or fewer bisexuals. No, uh, that's not true. I honestly think you know they're like, oh, it's one point five percent. I'm like, it's 50. oh, that sentence was yeah, 50. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, bullshit. we're all everyone and, until until everyone accepts that they're all they're all bisexual. Um, we have to have this like label, right? <laughs> but yes, Shiver Baby came out in 2020. And it combines everything that I love, which is bagels, milfs, and bisexuals. <laughs> They're all the things I like as well. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> um, and it's great. And it's also, I think, I don't know. It's kind of unusual because it's like it was a short film, and then it was made into a feature. Mm. The director's super young. She did the short film when she was in college. It's about a sex worker without being like horrible in its portrayal of sex workers. Mm. And it has a bisexual main character. And the film itself is not biphobic, even though there's like some biphobia in the film. Yeah. Sympathetic, if not completely engaged with mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. Yes. And the director is 
bisexual. Sure. Um, she's only in like in her like mid twenties, right? Like really, really. She's twenty seven. Christ. What am I doing in my I life? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to try and do a a summary for anyone who hasn't seen it. A sugar baby goes to a shiver, and her sugar daddy is there, and her ex is there, mm-hmm. and then she has to kind of deal with the fallout of like different things that she's been keeping from people and different lies that she's been telling. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of trapped in one location. And the film takes place pretty much all in the house where they're having a shiver. Should we explain what a shiver is? It's a week-long period of mourning. It's essentially like the bit that we see is basically like a week. Yeah, yeah. It's like a sort of relatively orthodox Jewish celebration, right? Yeah, yes. celebration in very, you know, <laughs> in yes. the same way awake. Sad celebration. <laughs> yeah. We've got Danielle, main character. We do. Maya, best friend slash ex. Yes. Max, demonic man we hate. Mm-hmm. Kim, his hot wife. Yeah, his two hot wife, and then we, some would say. <laughs> yes, and then we have the mum and the dad. I'm just going to call them the mum and the dad. Debbie? Debbie, Debbie and, and Joel? Joel? Debbie and Joel. Yes. yes, I did Google this earlier. So Maya, um, the ex-girlfriend, I spent the entire film going like, where the hell do I know her from? I've seen her in stuff before, and she's in Booksmart. She's, um, she is in Booksmart, yeah, but she's blonde in Booksmart. Yeah, she was. she's the one who... The like cool like the cool girl who goes to like Stanford, who's friends with like the like tech bro guys or like, the skateboarding guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um. So she. I also love Thug Smart. Oh, I, I love that movie. That movie was so much fun. Yeah. I love the bit where they turn into Barbies and it's like. Yeah. Hillary, you know, like what's it called? The one with Hillary Duff. Lizzie oh McGuire. Lizzie McGuire. Yes, yeah. when the cartoon version of her. It's yes. like, that's how I feel when I'm on drugs. I'm just like, I can't move my body and I feel like a tiny cartoon woman. <laughs> because they had too much care. Like, <laughs> just like, Whoa. That's like my worst fear. My worst fear. Yeah. Being at like a murder mystery party and then being on drugs. Okay, so I think we're just going to go through our notes. Okay, what's your first note? First two men we meet are both daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah, there we go that's the standard is, of film criticism you're getting now <laughs> mine is opening line yeah daddy and I was like kept cringing and Amelia was like it's not that cringe and I was like it is cringe it is because of the context uh, of the film right like the, the entire point is like this is quite clearly meant to be not I'm into like dilf and milf culture but I'm not really into daddy culture yeah right yeah I'm not a massive fan myself but like it's <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I, I think because well, because immediately after that, right, they like get up and then they're just like immediately like there's no like postcoital cuddling. She's checking her phone. He's like simpering over and like forgets to pay her and is like with the cup of t- cup it. of coffee or whatever. It sort of immediately is telling you that like he's a bit cringe. <laughs> yes, it opens it up nicely. We love a film yeah. that opens just on fucking, and it kind of shows the awkwardness of like, oh yes, you've had sex with someone for money, and now you have to be like, hey, uh, remember that money. Mm, maybe like put a pin in this and we can maybe talk about it later but I've mm. um, what's it like this, is, this film I think apart from what it, what it does is it, it sort of undermines everyone's sexiness everyone on the everyone on the surface is like an incredibly hot attractive person and it undermines their sexiness in different ways and what's interesting I think here for Max is that we get his undermining before we actually get him right in the rest of the shiver he's very like assured and seems very like in control but here he's vulnerable and he's very like undermined Whereas for the other mm. characters, we get the setup and then the undermining later. And um, it's just interesting that it's done that way round for Max, I think. Yeah. Yes. And he gives her a bracelet, which is key yes. later. Yes. He gives her a very expensive bracelet. Chekhov's expensive bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in Act 3, I'm telling you. It's coming. <laughs> um, another thing is, he, she's like, oh, I've got to go somewhere. And he's like, oh, do you have another client? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's cringe. He's asking her if 
she has other clients, yeah. which is inappropriate, really. Yeah, it feels He's like saying a something about how he he loves supporting like female entrepreneurs or something. Well, he uses he says females and then female entrepreneurs, right? So he says like I love supporting females female entrepreneurs and it's like oh man this guy's this guy's reddit as fuck also actually i think crucially at this point though he says like he wants to support her through like grad school and stuff as a viewer we assume that's true we have no reason to not believe that until subsequently we learn that that's like not what she's doing so she's lying to him about her why she's involved in the like sugar baby sugar daddy relationship the viewer we're learning with max here about what she's doing and then that yeah. gets like slowly ebbed away as it um as the film goes on honestly i just i'm like I think sex work is the is like the worst and hardest customer service job, and people act like yeah. it's easy. And it's like in what world is it easy? Because you know when you work in a bar and it's like it sucks because all your customers are drunk. It's like being a sex worker sucks because most of your customers are horny men, like, the worst kind. When have people done the most stupid things ever in history? It's when they're horny. Everything in the history of the world that has gone wrong is because someone wanted to fuck. I'm telling you now. <laughs> <laughs> Philosopher Carl, yes, love it. yeah. Fuck Ossifer? No, I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> no, please. I can't no. do that. Then we find out she's going to a shiver with her mum. She was yep. meant to go to the funeral, but she missed it because she was fucking Max. I, I like the introduction of the parents, and I was like, wow, me and Amelia have the same relationship because they have this kind of like loving bickering that is like nonstop. And right, the whole yeah. thing is like the dad is losing <laughs> his phone for the entire thing, and the mum is like, being like, you've got fucking Alzheimer's. Yes, like, yeah. The whole time. yeah, which is very it's like, you don't fucking listen to me. Yeah. And the mum's hot. Do you think the mum's a mill? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's got real, um, the one who's playing the aunt in the new Spider Man films. Oh. I'm going to do something incredibly unprofessional and I'm going to do some Googling. Google it. <laughs> Marissa Tomei. That's who I'm thinking of. Oh, my God. She's 58. She looks fucking great. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but the mum in this gave me Marissa Tomei vibes. Melf, melf, melf. Melf, melf, melf. We love it. She's like, what's my soundbite? And her mum's like, you're having job interviews, you're mm. doing this, da, 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 you're going to graduate, everything's good. And then it cuts so she's like, mum, who died? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The most important thing is how you appear to the family and like the success that you're yeah. like, supposedly having as opposed to anything to do with actually who's died, right? It's all about the secondary layer of uh, social interface, right? The general atmosphere of this is like, um, I haven't watched it for ages, so I can't remember exactly, but it reminded me a bit of like uh, in, in The Graduate where... I've never seen that. The, um, so at the, uh, like at the start of the movie, Dustin Hoffman has like finished college and then they're having like mm. a graduation party at his house and um, mm. and like all the family are there because it's like from the late 60s. So I guess like finishing college, massive thing. And they're all just going like, oh, well done. What are you going to do next? And he's like, oh, I'm just not, not sure yet. And he's overwhelmed by the kind of like openness mm. of like life. This like guy is like, come outside with me. And he's like, plastics. You need to get into plastics, and, um, <laughs> but like, but it, but that, that sort of claustrophobic thing where the camera was really tight is really tight on Dustin Hoffman mm. and that I remember. And there's like arms coming and they're touching him and like grabbing him and pulling him around and asking what he's doing and like, oh, you look so handsome, you've grown up, and there's all of this. And like the yes. whole film seems to be riffing on that is uh, clear. Mm, yeah, I think quite clearly. Yeah. Well, the director. I watched some videos with the director, and she was basically saying like she. She kind of wanted to do a romantic, like a Jewish romantic comedy, mm. but in the style of like, not a thriller, but like a film about anxiety or will it, the, mm. she was like, I wanted the anxiety to be the thing that made you want to find out what happened. Right. Because ultimately you're stuck in the house and it's just, everything happens in real time. Obviously she's like there trying to be a version of her that her parents want her to be. Mm. And 
she's obviously like something that she might have been getting from the sex work is that like she can pretend to be someone else mm. and then when he turns up at the shiver it's like oh fuck yeah it suddenly like yeah completely invades what what were two separate spheres right and that could be kind of um uh, rationally sort of dissociated from each other um suddenly they all sort of come careering into each other i mean it's interesting that because it's sort of what her parents want for her but also like they're totally fine with her just like freeloading a bit right but I she think... feels like she needs to look like she's making an effort to do something else and there's something yeah. else that she's doing to at least personally feel something is the sugar this the sugar relationship yeah. And that's what she gets her personal enjoyment for. But she's like got this front of what she needs to look like she needs she's enjoying for the world Ugh. to see. Right? Like it's, it's so painful. But and what's it's her like parents is not for her parents, it's not for her. It's just for like this nebulous sort of like. It's for the like, oh yeah, what do we want everyone else to be talking about? Yeah. My favorite bit is when she's trying to explain what she's doing at college and she's like, it's business. And she's like, it's gender. It's kind of the business of gender. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, but then later, later says like, oh, I'm just not into like girl boss stuff. <laughs> like, it's just like that's the business of gender. There's a line where she said she's volunteering for the Jewish children, which I just found as like a really <laughs> funny line. Basically, yeah, her issue is her mum is trying to introduce her to her sugar daddy as if they've never met, mm-hmm. and he quickly makes it very obvious that they have met. Which I, I'm like, damn, he played himself because he's immediately like, oh, I thought you were going to law school. It's really horrible because he's putting her on the spot and calling her out for what she's lied to him about. Mm. The stuff he's lied about is a hundred times worse because we later find out that he has a wife and a baby. Yeah, but what he's looking for is like, um, is some sort of like emotional thrill, right? Which has been lost (laughs) in that marriage, right? While she's pregnant. It's horrible. It's a horrible reason why, but that's what he's searching for. So his motivations are, I guess, a weird sort of like betrayal that she's lied to him, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's like, it's because it's like she wants to feel more grown up by being like, oh, I do this sex work and I'm making money for myself. And Mm -hmm. like, I feel attractive and I feel empowered. And he is like, oh, I'm just like a 30 year old dad who doesn't make any money. And my wife is the breadwinner. And if I'm fucking this like young, hot girl and I can be like, you know. The powerful one, right? Yes. So then he's like, oh, what? You're you're a real person? (laughs) (laughs) I like it when the mom's like, he's not for you. He's not for you. And she's like, I'm not going to blow him in the bathroom or something. And immediately you're like, they're foreshadowing. I know. (laughs) There is a blowjob in the bathroom coming. Um, But that's where the bombshell goes because she goes, I'm not going to blow him in the bathroom, right? And the mom goes, well, because he's married. Yes. And it's like, (gasps) And then you're like, shit. Wait a minute. There's a lot of shots where they're all in the same room and you see her like, um, doing something else and overhearing their conversation. It's like when she starts choking on the bagel because they're like, didn't you have a baby last year? And she's like, oh, not only is there a wife, there's a baby. Mm. And it keeps Which getting, is even worse. It, it gets worse and worse than Max as well, doesn't it? Because it gets more it gets more and more like shameful because you get that and then that and then it's like, oh, his, uh, his wife Kim is supporting him. And it's like, wait, so she's paying for, for Danielle, essentially, right? It's just... Awful, awful. <laughs> Like the business lunches also, or whatever. It's so funny. I forgot this, but... So basically, Danielle's cover story is that she's babysitter. Yeah, so which is she's funny. she's parents... She's babysitting, and this just puts her in bad situations throughout the film, because everyone's like, why don't you babysit his kid? And she's mm. like, oh, no, I fuck him for money, like, can't do that. Um, Which is hilariously also a kind of babysitting based on this man's emotional maturity. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a lot of, like, uh, not to go into the heavy bit, but I'm going to, but mm. the, like, compulsive piling of food onto the plate and then putting it all back, and, like, mm. the amount of times people come over to her and, like, comment on her yeah, weight and, like, yeah. the fact she's lost weight and stuff. And that, I think, ties into the whole, like, she's doing something to try and make herself feel attractive. She obviously has, like, an eating disorder or, like, issues around food and things like that. Mm. 
Yeah, there's there's an interesting relationship with food here. Um, yeah, again, like not not to press too much, but like I think what's interesting is because it's com- it's commented on a lot by characters, especially when Daniel like leaves the conversation and like the parting mm. before the scene cuts or changes is like, oh, she's she's lost a lot of weight. I think a lot of the film is just like all the pressure that you feel when you're like a young woman and you're like mm. trying to figure shit out, and it's like everyone keeps making comments about what you should look like or what you should be doing and like the reason she's having all these interactions is because these people have like seen her grow up and they're Mm. like they feel entitled to be like grabbing her and stuff Mm. they treat her like the baby and it's kind of weird when like you've been introduced to her in this like context of her being a sex worker and then she's like being babied by all these adults and then you're kind of like i see why she's like living at home and then she's like i don't want to just like you know, her parents are paying for her to have this apartment and mm. she's obviously like, well, I can't do this forever. As an arts graduate myself, I understand the like, um, what the fuck am I going to do to make money? And everyone's there like, well, you could do marketing. And you're like, I would kill myself if <laughs> yeah. I did that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I did do marketing and nearly did. So um, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Um, yeah, and it's Oof. it's also the thing where like, because your, your life's at such a point of transition, right? And everyone else's lives are completely, are relatively stable or relatively stationary, right? Like mm. they've got the kids or the grown up kids and or whatever, and they've got yeah. the house and whatever, whereas the, the sense of flux is is real in sort of every component. Yes. And it's almost like a weird, um, like all these people in the more sort of stable positions, I guess, are sort of like observing and sort of living vicariously through that sort of flux. Yes. And they're like, oh, I've got to talk about these decisions you're making because it's been 30 years since I had to make one of those. Yes. It's so annoying how, like, the times where you're offered those, like, here's the time you change your life majorly. It's all when, like, before your brain is fully developed. Yeah, <laughs> it's I like, know. stupid. Damn. And let's talk about the gay shit because we haven't yet. <laughs> yes. Let's do that. So we're introduced to the gay possibility when she's getting out of the car to go to a mm. shiver and she sees this girl across the street. And her mum whispers in her ear and she says, No funny business. Yes. No and immediately you're like, uh, does that mean gay? What it also sig- no what, gay it, what it also signals is the parents' attitudes to it, right? Which is the it's a very it's just a phase attitude, right? That yes. that it's funny and business also, as like, opposed to your sexuality. Yes, and also like don't embarrass us in front of everyone by licking licking her out on the table. <laughs> no eating pussy at the shiver. Okay? <laughs> oh my god, no! My favorite bit. Liquid is lunch. Like, um, sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It just came out. (laughs) I'm so disappointed in myself. You're going to be cancelled. Cancel me. I say it with love. Like, throughout the whole film, basically, Max is being so patronizing towards her because Mm. obviously he's like, oh, I have all this shit on you. That's kind of how he kind of enters the scene before his wife turns up he obviously has no fucking forward thinking because he's like oh wow i can find out more about her from her parents rather than like fuck my wife will be here in 20 minutes yeah film would work if he was very reserved for a bit it's like no you need to have (laughs) it needs to be a chaos agent 15 minutes for the sake of like you know plot (laughs) narrative motion but like yeah he's making it very obvious that they know each other he's Mm. like well he says they met he's making um, her embarrassed where do you say they met they met at um they said they met at like church, and then everyone's like, yes, "But you'd never yes. go to church." And like, because he's clearly like kidding yeah. himself, right? That that she's into it for him. When he talks about there's a bit where she's talking about her babysitting job, which mm. is like, obviously the sex work, and the parents are like, "Oh, but you only babysit for one family. We see the check come in every month." And he obviously then twigs that that's his money, mm. and he's like, "Oh, like I'm the only one. Like she yeah. doesn't have other clients." Mm. And also, then she's like, "Oh, well, I don't really need the money." Like. 
blah 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 and then he's like oh you must really love that kid if yeah. you don't need the money yeah yeah so that's yeah his thought process is he's working that out right yeah then she does what anyone fully unhinged and bisexual would do in this situation which is she goes to the bathroom and takes a picture of her boobs and sends it to him <laughs> yeah Yes, which which is which is which I actually really loved because it could have been very easy for the movie to present this as kind of a very uncomplicated, like coerced relationship in which he does have all of the power and agency. And it's like, actually no, yeah. this is a kind of dance in in terms of like who is trying to make the other one really awkward and in a really complicated situation here, right? And um, yeah, I loved that the film did that. I loved that it did that because it was just like, oh, right, okay, no, she is enjoying this. Like, she is getting something out of it. She's yeah. enjoying it. Well, she's like, uh, hey, uh, you might think I'm dumb because I'm not going to grad school, but like, now I'm going to text you a picture. You're going to have a mm. boner or a shiver. Like, that's your problem now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get his wife, who is Diana Agron, aka mm. hot cheerleader from Glee. I never watch Glee, and I feel like <gasps> that makes How me... did you become gay, Carl? Um. <laughs> natural processes and also because uh i don't know you you decided for me um, <laughs> um no I, so I i genuinely feel like it makes me a better person for having never watched Glee. she has a deep voice mm. she's got glorious blonde hair she's giving like hayden panettere yeah bit. yeah but but yeah doesn't quite do it for me though too mm-hmm. too clean yeah she's like very very convention very, very conventionally hot for me like there's it's, it's sort of like flawless hot which is which is therefore not hot for me. Um, this is like when Danielle's trying to be like, she's not that hot. It's just like, oh Maya's shit. Like, Maya's like, the Malibu Barbie isn't hot. And she's like, well, she's hot in like a boring way. Yeah, I agree with Danny. is, is what I'm yep. trying to say. Yeah, so at this point I've got, oh my God, he actually is a daddy twice over um, in my notes. <laughs> um, there's a line where... I think Kim says, uh, I'll find a new sitter. And I've gone, don't you dare. Because <laughs> yes. I thought that's where yeah. the film was going, was that they were that, that was going to happen. I didn't I yes. didn't realize. Luckily that... Danielle does not end up being anyone's babysitter. But Yeah, I was I was in part because I didn't realise that the film was going to entirely take place at the shiver when, oh, uh, yeah. by that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, please don't have another scene where there's just like more screaming babies because if there's a thing that I find incredibly frustrating in a lot of films, it's, it's just the introduction of screaming babies. Here it works okay. A couple of things generally on the sort of like form of the film. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to do this. That it's, an incre- it's really claustrophobic. Like um, there's lots of like really close up camera shots of just like um, people's faces, like just, just single characters, reaction shots and, and that sort of stuff. And whenever Danny especially is like leaving conversation, um, this is kind of like the graduate thing, right? Where she like twists and then someone will just like grab her and talk to her. And then another conversation immediately starts and she has to code switch with like who she's talking to and doesn't get a chance to like process anything that's happened. So the film feels very yeah, like tight and very claustrophobic. And then in combination with that, the score, the music mm-hmm. is, I've got that it reminds me massively of Under the Skin, which is a Scarlett Johansson movie mm-hmm. from 2013, mm-hmm. the one where she's the alien, right? And uh, the SM Mika Levy score. But um it's very like horror movie-esque and sort of strange horror sci-fi-esque kind of thing where it's like lots of twangly like synthy strings. Um, yeah, lots of violence. Yeah, and lots of quite sharp sounds and quite mm. ominous sounds that, that yeah, give this kind of this sense of like dread and this sense of anxiety. And I think yeah. the film very cleverly 
none of the things people are saying are in and of themselves like particularly that horrible or nasty or aggressive but the kind of form of the film enables it mm. to feel like that that anxiety comes from the camera work and the music i think more than more than anything really yeah they didn't want it to have a score until they like shot it and then right. at the end they like added the score which like it would be very yeah, well, yeah, it'd be different so, if it didn't have that it'd be too much like a theater piece without um yeah because it it's, it's kind of a bit like a play it's so like a play yeah yeah because amelia kept being like why is she so stressed out like and i was like incredibly <laughs> <laughs> stressful situation but i was also like i've been this stressed out at a party just because my ex is there and oh like, yeah this is so yeah. this is so much more complicated and also like because it's the shiver it's a place where you can't leave without seeming incredibly rude and you know if you're at like a family event it's like well you just have to wait until your mum and dad want to leave which is always like seven hours after they say they're gonna leave Mm. oh another bit that i love is when max this is after the boob shot Mm. max comes over to maya and danielle and this is when you've kind of worked out okay they used to date there's some animosity there at the moment there's like kids running around but they're the only like young adults there so there's obviously a lot of focus on them and maya's kind of what Danielle thinks that she should be. Like, she is the one going to law school. Mm. She manages to handle everything nice and politely, whereas, like, Danielle's going around, like, she gets coffee spilled all over her. She's, like, ripped her tights. Like, she keeps saying stuff that, like, is weird and, like, kind of inappropriate, and everyone's just like, what the hell? And then Max comes over to mine and Danielle and he's like, oh, you sisters or something? You look so alike. Mm. And then Maya's like, actually, we went to prom together. And he's like, oh, I bet you had such a fun night. And Maya's like, yeah, we fucked. We had our first orgasm. (laughs) Maya fucking rocks. I love Maya. (laughs) But he was clearly like sort of hunting for that, right? Like he sees that they've got a vibe across the room and he's clearly like, oh, here's my in for a sexy threesome. Like, that's 100% what I think he's trying to do. The difference between, like, a queer director and, like, a straight director, because, like, if you're queer, like, people will literally see you, like, kiss your girlfriend in the street, and then they'll be like, are you sisters? And you're like, no. If you're on a date with another woman, then they, like, don't know who to put the bill in front of, like, (laughs) they don't know who to, like, the waiter doesn't know who to talk to when they come over, because they're like, who's domineering this dinner? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, waiters were just like, I didn't have to clock butchers, I didn't have to... (laughs) Um, this is reminding me of I can't remember what it was I don't know whether it was like uh, in some sort of like it was like a museum of like a like Victorian art or something it was like these two women were close friends as you can see they're in bed together yes. <laughs> just like yes very close friends <laughs> yeah it's like when they're like this man never married he had a scarf collection of 3,000 scarves <laughs> and his younger man. best friend lived in the room next to him and he left all his money yeah. to him when he died oh how like, nice how nice yeah Okay, I'm going to try and think of the things that give it away. So the bracelet. Max's wife's kind of clicking that stuff is going on because she's like, how do you know each other? It's kind of obvious they're lying. She notices that Danielle has the same bracelet as her, which is like yes. such a tacky move. Yeah, but very on brand in, in the way that he thinks about women, right? He always is like, my wife liked this, so this other woman will also like this. <laughs> I've got um, a bit where she comes out the bathroom and there's a guy who says, is there an open window or a fan inside? <laughs> and I, was, I hate this. Well, I was like, is, th- is this man going to like, you know, drop a bomb or is he about to smoke? Um, I wasn't sure. Oh no, I thought I thought it was I'm about to shit my pants. That was the vibe I was. <laughs> right. <getting>. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, 
I thought it just I sort of made a note of it because I was like, it could be quite funny if just like a really high middle-aged dude just like turns up later <laughs> in the film. Um so I just had that and I also just got I just fucking love these accents. They're all just like Jewish New Yorkers and it's just such it's, so good. it's such yes, a lovely it's... accent to be around. I love the mum. Like the mum has yeah, so many good yeah, like yeah, one liners. Yeah. Like some of them are very like offensive, but some of them are so good. Like I love when she says, You look like Gwyneth Paltrow on fl- food stamps and not in a good way. <laughs> and later it's she just said, a good line. Get a vibrator, not a relationship. And yes. I was like yeah, that track. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be better, so you might as well. Yeah. Look, apart from when the battery dies. Uh, even then. <laughs> coin flip. <laughs> um, Let's get back on track to the gays. Because, how do you feel about Maya? Because Maya is the one who finds out that Danielle is a sex worker. Do you want to like explain that bit and then say what you think of her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got... Um, they go outside first, don't they? They talk a little bit about the relationship, and why they're, uh, but nothing, but not really intense. They're sort of like moodily staring at each other and Danny goes over and just like kisses her, kind of in a like, oh shit, like I just need someone to like care about me earnestly, this sort of thing. And I've got here, kissing Maya gives her by powers and she turns the tables on Max, therefore snogging is the root of all strength. Um, yes. Which I like that. we knew already, but it's nice for the film to confirm. Because um, I think immediately after this, this is where she goes back in. Danny goes back in, and then, and until this point, like Max has been very like, oh yeah, babysitter, huh? You must really love that kid, mm. and like all of that stuff. And she goes in and sort of turns the social tables a bit, right? Um, yeah, she's like, I'm gonna fuck shit up, like yes, yeah. And they also have this nice interaction that is a very like teenagery esque where. They're like, why didn't you text me? And she's like, well, I replied to your Instagram story and you didn't reply. And she's like, yeah. no one replies to story that's replies. It, yeah. Like, that's crazy. And then she's like, why? Well, I miss you. Yeah. And then Maya's like, sick, that's awesome. And then they make out. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. Because I think Danny's got it in her head that Maya doesn't miss her. Or at least it's implied that, yeah. that, seems, that what seems to be happening is that like Maya's very successful and has like discarded Danny. What emerges is that that's just the filmic lenses that, that we're given. Yes. The sort it's of focalised narrative is that Danny like, feels worthless, right? Um, but Maya does clearly still like her. They used to be best friends, then they were obviously sleeping together yeah. and it's not clear whether they were together and they broke up, especially with the funny business. It's like, mm. were they seeing each other but not together? And obviously they're not seeing each other. All this is good. They kiss. We're happy. That's her only win in the film. Like that's Danielle's only win. She's taking yeah. L's like left and right. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but yeah, so Maya finds Danny's phone in the bathroom where she took the nude. Where she took yes. the nude. Yes, and sees notifications from the Sugar Daddy app. Right, pop pop up on the locked home screen. Um, so I've got two notes here. First one. Absolutely devastated for Maya finding the phone, to be honest. Poor woman. Next note. Never mind, she shamed her. (laughs) But obviously people hurt and say dumb shit. When Danielle's freaking out and is like, where's my phone, where's my phone? Maya's like, oh, I might have seen it. And maybe you should go find it because someone else might. Mm. To let let Danielle know... I've seen it. Yeah, she knows. Yeah. And she apparently she calls her a whore, but I missed that this time. Yeah, Did she, you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that was that was what sparked my never mind, she shamed her. Yeah. Um, she calls her a whore, which we hate. Yes. We didn't cover this, but she like Danielle follows Max to the bathroom. She like wants to go down on him. He kind mm. of is like into it and then like, oh no, because he's like, we can't fucking do this right here. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she obviously feels like, oh God, I'm so fucking stupid. Like, mm. why did I do that? And then she kisses Maya and then we're like, yay. And then it's like, oh, Maya thinks I'm a whore. Great. Plummeting down again. Mm. And now someone else is going to find my phone. Yeah. I wonder if like the illusion was shattered for Max at that point because 
it's now too entw- they're now too entwined. I think he knows it's too risky. Yeah, it's too close. But also, it? I think in some kind of weird way, he doesn't want it because she does, but she obviously wants it from this weird place of like, I want to get back to what our relationship is normally and how we normally interact mm. together because right now we're interacting really weirdly. And it's for the best that they don't, because I think it would feel very icky as a viewer. Well, yeah, but it's almost it's almost like Max just needs to know that he's got her, right? He's just like, because there's no monetary yes. transaction in this bit going on. And he's just like, oh, yeah. I've, I've got you. I don't actually need the sex. I just need to know that like someone wants me. Yeah. Which is his own like weird thing. I think then she's suddenly in a conversation with her parents and with Kim and Max and the baby. Mm-hmm. Starts, and that's where they try and give her the baby. The film is so good at making these totally normal and often quite cute things the parents are saying. So, so sinister. Yeah. Because they keep calling her a baby and stuff mm. and like... The dad starts talking about like how he had to pick her up from school once because she got like rejected from a boy and it like destroyed yeah, her self-esteem. And obviously yeah. you're there like, Stop. hey, please don't tell my like trauma is a funny story, dad, which like parents love to do. And then I've called it like the stop, stop, stop scene when there's lots of she starts really screaming. Quick, quick cuts and um, everyone keeps like asking questions, trying to give her the baby and the baby's just screaming and she's faced with her own like disappointment her imagined disappointment from her parents and oh. with this like fractured relationship with Kim and Max in front no. of her. The yeah. saddest bit is when, well, I love the mum. I love mm. the mum. And like me and Amelia were both like, damn, imagine having a mum who like loves you and says nice things to you when you're fucking up because like <laughs> mm. she is just like a total hot mess for the whole film. Yeah. And like there's the bit where Max spills the coffee all over Danielle and the baby and everyone's like, oh my God, the baby, the baby. And then mum goes, oh wait, are you okay? Yeah. Oh, she's like drenched. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And then when she's like trying to like dry off her shirt, and she, Danielle's like to the mum, she just goes, Mommy, you disappointed in me. Oh. And then the mum's about to reply, but then someone walks in. Mm. And she's like, what? No. And then she keeps being like, there's something going on with her. Like, I don't know what it is. And it's like, when we get to like the final moment where she's like, she's carrying the books back in. And then like, the wife is trying to give her the baby. Max comes over and starts trying to like wrestle the baby off her. And then she ends up like smashing the vase. Yeah. Everything's on the floor. And then she's like having a breakdown on the floor and the mum comes in and she's like, it's a, it's an emotional day. Everyone's feeling it. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's like, and it's just like, oh gosh. She, yeah. Yeah. Mum, broadly speaking, does a pretty good job, I think. Um, she's doing a good job. And the dad is just like fully oblivious. Like the mum's like, our yes. daughter is going through an existential crisis. And the dad's like, I can't find my phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the mum is trying to like network at this shiver as well. It's like, oh, could you get her a job? And it's just like, mum, stop. <laughs> And like bless her, like Kim, like knows something dodgy's going on, and she's just like, "Yeah, here's a job potentially." Yeah, literally, Kim's like, "Hey, you could work at my girl boss company," and Danielle's like, "I don't want to be a girl boss bitch." And then Kim's like, "Well, you could babysit my baby," and Danielle's like, "I like eight year olds, not babies." Gives her two opportunities at work, and she goes no to both. And then. We have the bit where, like, before Max is, like, at the buffet, he's like, are we good? And Danielle's like, yeah, we're good. And then he comes into the kitchen and he's like, we should stop seeing each other. And Danielle's like, yeah, before your wife runs out of money. And then the wife is in the doorway and you, like, Mm. don't know what. You never know what the wife knows. But you're also like, she must have fucking clicked something. Because she also found Danielle's phone in the bathroom. We don't know if she, like, saw. Yeah, I think the implication is that she doesn't know it's, like, a like a sex worker relationship, but she, I think she just knows that the sex is happening. Because also right? there's a yeah. bit at the beginning of the film where she's like, oh, he loves, he's such a foodie. He goes out to the most expensive restaurant. Right, yeah. And so I think she's twigged that, right? 
And the, the apartment, she's, the second apartment or whatever. She's putting shit together. She's like, oh, yeah, well, we couldn't get rid of the apartment because it's in such a good location. And mm, mm, and then they all get in a van together. Yeah, again, note all in capital letters. No, they are not all getting in the van. Oh, my God, they are all getting in the van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the dad, dad is, is just like, like not, <laughs> he's not clicking that, like, everyone has had the worst day ever. Like, no, the man has zero Everyone just wants to go home. No one wants to be in the same vehicle. And he's like, everyone should get in my van. Mm. The baby screaming, chaos at this point. There's an old lady in the back, and she's the one who's getting out first. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, terrible idea. Seeing an ex at a party is is horrendous. Seeing mm. anyone at a party is pretty bad. But <laughs> I prefer to just go to fire. There's no one there. <laughs> I've usually been quite good at avoiding going to parties with exes but uh oh, yeah. well when you're queer it's like oh great that's my ex my ex's girlfriend the other person i once made out with mm. and like three people who have ignored me on tinder yeah i feel like that's gonna start happening um because <gasps> <Yes. gasps> um, carl's single now uh, don't tell the world jesus <laughs> <laughs> oh god stop no my phone's it's popping off already jesus <laughs> <laughs> well do you have any final thoughts on the film Broadly, just like really liked it, um, and I liked that it was short. Like two yeah. day films are just so bloated. It's like a clean like what eighty minutes. Really yeah. nice. Really bam, nice. Bam, bam. Um, good bisexual repetition. Oh, the film ends. We should talk about the film ends. There's always chaos mm, going on in the yes. van, and Maya and Danny hold hands, which is like. And nice. we, there's also a moment where Maya's kind of like, "I'm sorry, like, but why do you do it?" And Danielle's like. I just wanted money and it was easy. And Maya's like, is she said it you, easy? She said I wanted like, power. Kind of. Right. She's like, I wanted some power and I wanted to feel appreciated. Mm. And that's when it's like, you feel sad for Danny a little bit because you're like, she's obviously looking for something that she can't necessarily fulfill through that. But then you're also like, we don't feel like she's a victim because she's obviously like, I did want to do it and I get stuff out of it mm. too. So it's like a nice, like complex way to talk about sex work and like i don't think the director has been a sex worker but she was kind of like oh when i was like doing college like a lot of my friends were sex workers Mm. to like supplement their income and like it was very normalized like talking about it and they wanted she was like it was important for me to like figure out who should find out that she's doing sex work because whoever it was that would find out she was like i debated it being the mum who would find out and then obviously that would like Mm. change everything because the mum would probably be primarily concerned about her safety and like judging her from that kind of angle. Whereas Maya's just like, I don't get it. I'm judging you because I wouldn't do that. Yeah, and Maya's hurt by it, right? But um But there's less states there for like mm. you know, a random person finding out or like your parents finding out. It's like obviously you don't want them to know. And then yeah, they hold hands in the back of the van and you're like, okay. And the director kind of said like from this day, like maybe Danny's going to be like, okay, I need to make some changes in my life. Not necessarily like, oh, I don't want to do sex work Mm. anymore. Just like my self-worth is in the hole and like I should look at that. But she said like for Max, he's more like, he's kind of fucked because like, oh yeah, fuck that guy. You know, he's married, he's got his kid, his wife knows he's been cheating on him, her. Mm -hmm. And And she does everything. She does all the work. She has three businesses. All the kids. Like just looks after the kid. Yeah, it's like when you find out she works from home and you're like, damn. You're cheating on your boss business bitch wife while she works from home with your baby. Oh, it's bad, isn't it? It's bad. Um, yeah, I think it's good that Danny at the end of the film is able to sort of recognise like why she did something or at least or like quite clearly state like, well, I did it for power, I did it for a bit of money, did it because I could, right? Um, and isn't pretending that it was anything else, right? And so there's a sense of like self-reflection, sort of self-knowing there that is mm-hmm. reassuring to the degree that, yeah, that handhold at the end makes you think, 
okay, well, if, if we're doing the thing where we imagine what happens after the film, the resolution feels <laughs> like there is hope going forward in some capacity. Yeah. yeah. Such a bad day for her. Yeah, she takes a lot of hits. A fun film. Fun. But yeah, if you have anxiety, like... Don't watch it on a day where you're like having yeah. PMS or like there's a full moon. Yeah, it's not. It's, yeah, it's not quite uncut gems, but it's um, it's more sort it's of like it's, it's kind of like Fleabag anxiety. You know, the same. If sort of made me mm. feel a bit like that. You know, the the moments in Fleabag, like the episode where they're at the dinner table at the restaurant. Sorry, and they're yeah. all at the start of season two. That's kind of what it feels like. I also forgot to say. That Rachel Sennett, who plays Danielle, and the director, Emma Seligman, they're writing a film called Bottoms. Yes. And it's about two, it's about two queer girls who like make a fight club at school to try and get laid. <laughs> yeah, sens- so sensational. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, love that. Whenever that comes out, i love to see it. Okay, it's tarot time. Woo! Do you have any questions for the cards, or do you just want to pick one and see what the vibe is? Christ, I did not, I just totally forgot how this worked, so I've completely <laughs> forgotten. Do, what sort of questions do people normally ask the cards? Mm, like, what should I focus on? What should I prioritise in my life? What should I let go of? You know, what's coming up for me? Okay. Yeah, I'll go with, yeah, I'll go with what's coming up for me. Let's okay, nice. And oh, I'll cards. just hover over and then you tell me when to stop. Okay, stop. Okay, so I'm done on two, so we'll see what they are. Okay. Oh no, they look like they might be boring. <laughs> Look, honestly, to be honest, based on the last six months I've had, I'm fine with it. <laughs> You've got eight of wands and ten of pentacles. Ten okay. of pentacles, I'm pretty sure, is about, like, getting all your money and shit together. <laughs> That's nice. Let's see. Eight of wands, speed, fast conclusions, quick messages. Ten of pentacles, foundation, family, genuine. <gasps> oh, wait, I've got a new book. Let me clamber and get that. Oh, yeah, go for it. It's like a feminist book at school. Nice, nice. Yeah, basically, I don't have the deck for this book, but it's like a feminist deck from the 80s. It's all woodcut illustrations. Oh, wow. What's it called? Uh, it's called the- Thea's Tarot, and the book is called She is Sitting in the Night. And it's like a trans guy artist who's like written the book to go with Sweet. it. Nice. Let's nice. see what they're saying. Eight of Wands. Also, they're, they're all written in a kind of intense and weird way. Oh, yeah. Well, they're very theatrical. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so A of Wands. So that's the picture. Nice. Uh, Looks like someone's interpretation of, like, a Herman Melville character. I don't know who that is. Like, the guy guy who wrote Moby Dick, like, off a boat. Like, just... Okay. Oh, you're being too intellectual already. (laughs) Sailor vibes. Sailor vibes. Oh, yeah. It's got a stripy top. Yeah. Yeah. Very twink energy. (laughs) It's Billy Budd. Sorry. That's one one for the Melville scholars out there. (laughs) (laughs) I need to stop. Right. Um. Okay. So here's someone really tearing through obstacles, barefoot, barefoot and sleeveless, ready to bruise up their legs with the effort. They're full of motion and getting results. This card suggests some level of grounding of the one's restless energy. Okay. So the ones are associated with air, with air and that's what element okay. you are because you're a Libra. Damn right I am. Yeah. Air sign, baby. <laughs> Bimbo queen. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because here you are clattering through a sea of wands when you could obviously go around it. While implicit in wands is the enjoyment of obstacles, daring yourself to release that album, face that conversation, bike through the winter, a necessary balance for that manner of approach to life is the peace, however brief, that follows on the heels of making it. So you grow more when you're pushed to, but you also have to have a second to notice that and revel in it. 
okay, you're probably feeling restless still, but if you can just stop and admire work, then when you get this card and realize that you've made it, try not to fight unnecessarily all the time because you'll get exhausted, although some exhaustion is just great. <laughs> you can feel the adrenaline rushing through you still, and it is glorious. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. You've been battling it out. Yeah. So is this the... Um, That's Ten of Pentacles. Ten of Pentacles, yeah. God, look at all those pentacles. Yeah, Jeez. so many. So this is established comfort and gathering of past knowledge. Okay, surrounded by pentacles seated on what appears to be a rolling hill or pile of pillows or blankets draped in patterned clothing, this person, person reaches her arms out beyond her peripheral vision to amass the floating coins that surround her. This is a card of abundance. The Ten of Pentacles sometimes lacks awareness of this wealth though and asks us to evaluate what we possess and to consider whether we, whether we are denying our potential resources or taking pleasure in what we have and sharing the wealth. Okay, I feel like these two kind of make sense together because the first one's like, you've been battling it out even though you need to be like, okay, look how we've, like where we've got to through that. And then this one's like, oh my God, you're surrounded by amazing things, but you just have to notice them. Yes, yes. It feels like a, a time for perspective. Yes, Zoom you'll out. love it. Yes, the yeah. big picture. Mm. I used to love the big picture. I don't know where that guy went, but um, <laughs> <laughs> nice, to know, nice to know he's coming back. That'd be good. Yeah. Yay. Okay, let's see. If you get this card on a reading, aim to be patient with yourself emotionally, generous on the whole, and aware of the magic in the everyday. If things seem to be going well, it's worth taking pleasure in what you've been able to create for your communities and family. That's nice. I'll take that. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm just excited because I feel like I've got to know the other book well enough that now I can move on to a new book. Mm. Uh, right, to the extent that like you're able to triangulate the readings across like the books and sort of see these overlaps and stuff? A little bit. And it's also just nice to see, because the cards I have are very simple, so it's nice to see the illustrations that have more of a story to them. Sure. I think it's because I was worried, because this is like from a feminist deck, I was kind of worried that it was, because it's from the 80s, I was worried it might be a bit like turfy and outdated or sure. something. Yeah. But because the, I don't think it was like that in the first place. And because the book has been released much more recently, it's like, I don't know, I just like it. It seems to have a bit more direction and it's a bit more clear than the other book. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I just love the illustrations. I I might like see if I can get some of them printed. Yeah, they look really cool. Look at that, space. Oh, it looks so good. Uh, so this is obviously terrible for an audio format, but... Uh, I'll, take, lot, I'll take some pictures. <laughs> lots of what look like little Saturns, but could be made of hula hoops. Uh, really <laughs> oh, good. I love hula hoops. <laughs> yeah, damn right. They're, damn right. They're really good. Yeah, I'm liking the look of all these. You should lino them. I try. know. Well, yeah, because wood, woodcut, I guess, is very similar to lino, but mm. wood, so harder to do at home. Yeah. What's the what was the Japanese art style called? Is it like aku, wood, aku e oh, or whatever? Oh. I don't know. Okay. It's 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 like yeah, something something hyphen e. I think it's a ko yi or something. That's cool. Um, but that's what like hokusai and all of that lot did. Um, with the waves, yeah, chopped down mm. a load of wood, lots of ink, and <laughs> well, art class with Carl. Yeah, uh, via via audio. Yeah, I'm not an artist. <laughs> <laughs> I have too much of an analytical brain to be in any way creative. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna pick one more for you because I feel like mm. we need one more. I want to know what's far far in the future. Ooh. Okay, so when you're ready. Mm, now, what well, forgot? Strength! The strength card! Yay! Yes! That, that, that feels good. That does feel good. We love a little major arcana moment. The so, picture as well was just like a really cute... Uh, it was just it was just a... Uh, what's the word? Disembodied arm. <laughs> um, with a massive bicep and a heart tattoo with an arrow through it. And it's um, got a paw in the heart. Like a dog's paw. 
Oh, right. Nice. Yeah. Adorable. Better than mom. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll have the dog's paw. Um, cool. This one is willpower, mastery, and discipline. Let's see. Uh, what... Sure. I have some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> Let's see. They might have. No, okay. They haven't. Re... Some of them have been renamed for this book, but not this one. Okay. 53. This is the picture in this book. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I really like that one. Let's see. Ooh, sexual energy, sensual and life power <laughs> yeah. and courage. Yes, yes. I'm Damn. available. <laughs> she is relaxed but clearly aroused. <laughs> clearly aroused. <laughs> yeah, she is working with her multi-directional hair. Okay. Mm-hmm. The second more inward fo- focus segment of the major arcana, of which strength is a part, signals that you're intentionally mastering life. You turn within and see how you're doing, and strength works to direct or make sense of the chaos of impulses that you might find inside. If you're someone who thinks that you can consciously manage your emotional responses, responses, this card gives you the greater ability to do so. Oh, it signifies a relationship forged between your emotional and rational lives, which are in flux and in productive conflict with one another. Mm-hmm. This conflict will create the rumblings of a self that while perhaps disparate is at least in process of internal negotiation of a satisfying and beautiful outcome. Damn. Yeah, it sounds legit. Like that that sounds legit. I loved uh, that first sentence though, where you said it said like um like intentional mastery of oneself, or whatever, as opposed to un- as opposed to unintentional mastery. <laughs> like, oh think- shit, I've accidentally got a handle on this. <laughs> okay, so there's like a taming situation going on. You've got yeah, a collab- but, yeah. But a kind it's of like saying, wrestling between the yes. rational and the emotional, right? That's um, quite good though, because it's saying like you're never just gonna be like, okay, I have life figured out, but you might have moments where you're like I see the chaos and I'm like, okay, I get what's going on a little bit. Yeah, but it was, there was a sort of Damn. thing about sort of out of that conflict has come a sort of like a yes. kind of understanding, right? And um, yes. tying in with those other two, that sounds like it makes sense with that kind yes. of big picture-y kind of thing. It feels I like it's forged anew, right? Like Especially that's my reading of my own yes. tarot. Yeah. <laughs> Libras often hate conflict. Oh, hate the fucker. Hate it. Hate it. Sorry, can I I swear on this podcast? Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) Hate that fuckity fucker. (laughs) I hate it too, but it's like sometimes, like, if you have conflict, something new always comes out of it. So it can be productive. Yeah, yeah. Usually usually it's just just a horrible feeling. I just uh, hate it. I hate my body feeling right now. My tummy hurts. (laughs) Uh, It's more just, I I mean, there's 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 a. part of i don't know whether this is a libra thing maybe this is just a me thing mm. but the the sort of effort that one has to put in to being like frustrated at something or angry at something or uh, in conflict with something or someone it's just so much effort it's way easier to just like get on um and i guess the sort of uh yeah being annoyed by that sort of stuff is just like it's just hard to maintain and I, do i have the energy for it nah not really exactly we're um, at peace we're wrestling with ourselves we are relaxed but aroused <laughs> Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you're gonna have some sexual power. That's good. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Okay, I love it. I might do one for myself just because I want one now. Yeah, do it. Yeah, after a relatively positive. It's nice when someone's had a relatively positive one. I, can't- I think my last one was ca- Carnage. I can't remember. Was it not good? Oh no, that was. No, I think. I, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was just like uncertainty and sort of like new territory sort of thing. Damn, um, that was a long time ago. Okay, this one's immediately <gasps> the moon. <gasps> the moon. At uh, the moon, I feel like I get the moon a lot, but I don't know mm. if I've read the moon in this new book. Mm. Waxing or waning moon. It's a crescent moon. Yeah. Oh, that looks like a 
the Princess Kaguya, the Ghibli film, and uh, again another Japanese fairy tale, oh. right? Like myth. The girl who grows out the bamboo shoots. I don't know that one. Oh, My favorite yeah. uh, anime is Kiki's Delivery Service. I love Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah, it's really sweet, isn't it? It's so beautiful. It's I lovely. love it. I it's one of those weird ones where I used to really enjoy Howl's Moving Castle, but have since mm. watched it relatively recently and it it drags so much and i've gone back and i've got like spirited away is actually the best one it is just the best one i like my neighbor um, as well yeah i like the wind rises that's a really good one i've never seen that one that's one about the um uh aeronautical engineer but it has like loads of really strange surreal dream sequences oh, and um it's, he wants to be a pilot but his eyes are bad so he becomes an engineer instead and then it's all like the Industrial Revolution and World War Two stuff, and he's like, "Oh, what have I created? These like war machines." He keeps having these dreams of this Italian, uh, Ooh, like, Italian. aeronautical designer, and then like his wife gets really ill and sick, and there's loads of like weird, beautiful, surreal dreams of the countryside and her like painting in a sanatorium. It's just it lovely. Make me think, you know that one of like the fish, the fish that turns into a person. Is it Ponyo? Ponyo, Ponyo yeah. Ponyo, yeah. And there's that giant redhead lesbian in the sea. <laughs> love her yeah yeah that's a mood it's like i want a wife who's just bigger than my yacht like it just like, <laughs> floats around yeah a particularly nautical lesbian let's go uh okay the moon intuitive feeling spiritual growth woman-centered strength okay on the moon card someone rides on the water it could be hills or fields or maybe even the moon itself what's clear is that it's not clear and it's one of overwhelming oh my god i can't read <laughs> and that is one of the overwhelming associations with the moon, the half-lit, hazy possibilities that leave you fearful, confused, or disturbed. Okay, there's power in those possibilities. The moon indicates psychic awakening or being yeah. in touch with the dark and messier parts of yourself that are lost in the sunlight. It coaxes you into retreat in order to sit with the intuitive sludge mm. and pay attention to your dreams and ride the emotional waves. Okay, I have more access than usual to creativity and intuition. I might have disturbing dreams. Okay. Have you had any disturbing dreams recently? Yes. I had a dream that someone wrote a poem on a jug that they delivered to me that was about my shopping addiction. <laughs> this is reminding me of uh, the previous podcast where you read out that. Oh, uh, no. Someone giving you their feelings. Um, yeah, but in, poet in poem form this time. They, they one-upped you. They did it in verse. Hell. <laughs> okay. It says I'll emerge more conscious and complete. I am feeling very creative at the moment. Yes. Yeah. I'm unsure on the first half of that, where it's like all the brooding darkness. That it's because be the moon, the well, the, the sun, the sun and the moon go next to each other in the major arcana, I think. And the sun is very much like everything's illuminated. You see everything very clearly. Everything's very positive. And then the moon is like, you need mm. to wade into all the darkness and messy bits to come to a clear understanding. Because at the moment, it's not clear, but sure. it's more like an internal process. Because, like, the moon in astrology, like, your moon is about, like, your feelings and how you process things. Sure. And then sure. the sun is, like, how you are with others. Gotcha. But, yeah, I got given <laughs> two moon tarot prints, and then I put them up with my glow-in-the-dark stars. Ah, oh, nice. Beautiful. That's, that's um, wonderfully nostalgic. You know, when, like, as a kid, when people had those, like, stars all over. I know. It's because my friend Esme was like, oh, I bought some glow-in-the-dark stars because I used to have them as a kid. And, I, and then I was like... Uh, I want that. And then I saw some in the shop and I was just like, Meep. Did you yeah. not have them as a kid then? So you're not getting the nostalgia? I did have them as a kid, but I was too scared to put them on my ceiling this time in case they like fell on me in the night. Because yeah. I have bumpy um, walls. Ooh, I just yeah, there's, there's, um, 
there's different stakes when you're renting <laughs> to putting mm-hmm. up glow in the dark stars. <laughs> yeah, me emailing my landlord, hey Colin, I know you have a no blue tack rule, but I really want some glow in the dark stars on my ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm ready for your bisexual agenda. Let's go serious to less serious. Let's do it that way. Okay, nice. Nice. Yeah. Heavy hitters first. Heavy hitters first, yeah. Now, thing thing that has annoyed me recently, and in part is I mean I say recently, like I have I've been like less online than I sort of have previously been known to do. So um yeah. but there was a spate of like I was seeing a lot of people calling real human beings queer bait. And it just really annoyed me. Like, um, yeah. So there was the whole thing with Kit Connor, the Hustle guy, right? Where he basically like came out um, because of like public, well, pe- people basically saying that he was like, or ask, or demanding to know his sexuality, right? And we're, people have been doing it with like Harry Styles as well. And it's just the idea that you're entitled to know someone's sexuality, and if not, you're you can call them bait is absolutely ridiculous. For fictional characters, yeah, sure, fine right when they're constructions but when they're actual human beings piss off piss off uh, yes yeah because like queer baiting essentially is like when a show makes it look like it's gonna have a queer storyline and then it doesn't that's what it means yeah exactly it's like yeah, yeah. trying to hook a queer audience without actually having any queer representation yes yes absolutely or trying to make things queer in a way that is like subtext and can be denied it's a blending of people being annoyed like i understand being like oh it's shitty if straight actors are always cast mm. in gay roles yeah, yeah, yeah. and gay people aren't seen as viable options for straight roles because, mm. you know, straight people can play gay, but gay people can't be seen as like a romantic interest, like a romantic lead in like a straight film or something mm. like that. Or like, I think it's like really inappropriate if it's like a cis actor being cast to play someone trans. That's like a very obvious example mm. where it's like, that's like creating actual harm and it is also taking away an opportunity for someone else that is so limited. But I don't necessarily think that everyone who plays a gay character on TV has to be gay. It, feel, yeah. it's not, it feels like a different... Because it's not... It feels like a... Because it's not always a, a like an outward identity thing, right? Like, it's it, it can be very private and internal, right? It's not something that people, like, display all the time in, a, in the same way that, I don't know, someone's race or ethnicity um, mm. or... or gender identity and presentation can be way more sort of outwardly presented right mm-hmm. um it's it's not for anyone else um so, it's just depressing yes so basically you're all better than that people real people can't be queer bait <laughs> if you want to fancy someone but you don't know whether they'd fancy you back tough you're just gonna have to know <laughs> also Stop having like, parasocial relationships like... with people who are never gonna know you exist <laughs> fancy them like everyone else and leave it also, yeah <laughs> People aren't lying if they're not out. I think that's another thing. Like hiding aspects of your, like wanting to keep parts of your sexuality private, even if it's not necessarily for like safety reasons, Mm. that is fine. And that's not lying. And like, yeah, everyone's everyone's learned shit. Maybe he might know. These people might not know. Like, who knows? Yeah, they might not know. But it's also like literally like queer actors might not want to publicly be out because it might limit the roles they can get or go for. And like, it's literally work. It's work. And it doesn't mm. matter. There's a very... I'll try and find it, but yeah. I can't... There's a good YouTube video that's about, like, personas and parasocial relationships. I think it's a Brody Deschanel one. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. About, it was, like, yeah, primarily about Britney Spears. Mm. But it was kind of, like, people thinking they have the... 
access to someone's real, real personality or someone you know, people feel that they should have this closeness to people that they've never met. Mm. And then what are the repercussions for the person on the other side of that? Because that relationship is not always healthy mm. by nature. And it's like a relationship kind of form that is quite new because obviously like our access to celebrities is very different now because of the internet. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I was friends with you before you started this podcast because otherwise I'd just be obsessed with you. So um, <laughs> thank God, because this, is, this, is, this could have been really troubling for me. Uh, right agenda point number two i'm, I'm moving as well yeah. uh men are a whole lot aren't they can we tone them down a bit um so i think the last time i was on this podcast about what four years ago maybe mm. yeah oh no it would have been like three years ago the podcast thing like three years old. okay yeah because i was on what episode three episode four i was very early at four? four i think it's four. yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so i was yeah fledgling fledgling bisexual at that uh you're just yeah just, i've just cracked the little egg on top and boop. yeah yeah um so now we've just turned we've just turned the gas on that's where we're at now <laughs> that egg is about to be cooked in a minute or two um but yeah just especially now because before i guess it wasn't sort of like i wasn't massively like public about it, it, my bisexuality i guess like I, mean, I say public as if i'm a public figure i'm not a fucking public figure <laughs> but, but, but like it wasn't sort of like within i guess like the social circles and sort of like um national yeah. circles i moved in i guess um it wasn't really like that known and it's because light touch bisexual it's just like not a massive like central yeah. component to my life right but um since then um the way that men particularly the men particularly particularly gay men right um mm. the you know, when people just talk to you, it's just like, oh, just oh, stop. <laughs> it's worse. I must say, it's actually it's worse in person than it is online. Actually, from what I've experienced. Oh God, I thought you were gonna be like, it's all these people in my DMs treating me like a slab of man meat. No, but... no, no. It's more like it's happened. So it's happened a couple of times where you're just like messaging and it's like all oh, fine, but then where I would take the hint. It's like it's just decided that these people are not going to take the hint and they sort of keep sort of the flirting sort of goes a bit more. And I'm like, no, stop, 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 stop. Um, but no, the, the worst ones I've actually had are like at, um, at like club nights and stuff. They're the worst experiences mm-hmm. I've had where like, um, yeah, a queer night or whatever. And like, I've had just like guys like, grab me. I've had people like trying to talk my ear off and I'm just like, I'm just here like hang out with my friends. It's like, stop. And they're like, oh, but, but I'm just talking. It's like, no, you're not though, are you? <laughs> stop. Um yeah. This is like men love like aggressively telling you that they are not making you feel uncomfortable. Like I don't know if I told you about this but like I went for a cocktail with my new t- new hinge bestie Veronica mm. who we love. Ooh. And we went to this cocktail bar and like a really drunk guy came in and he kept trying to join in our conversation from the other side of the room and then he like came over and leaned over the side of our booth oh. and like his hand touched my shoulder but he didn't realize and then I was like don't touch me and then he was like I didn't touch you and I was like you did and I just we don't want to talk to you leave Mm. us alone and he was like well I didn't touch you and I was like you did and he was like well I didn't touch you in a weird way and I was like you're a stranger any way you're touching Mm. me is weird I would prefer if you didn't touch me at all and he was like well I would also (laughs) and it was just like leave us alone this isn't a negotiation (laughs) and it was just so annoying and like I've I've always been quite abrasive towards men and like mm. I only do it in situations where I feel like it's safe to do so and like if I'm inside somewhere I'm like if this does go south like people here see yeah, what's going course. on and like yeah. the, the bartender came over and was like oh I'm so sorry I was trying to get him to leave like and it was funny because the bartender was like don't worry he's having a terrible night his friend just left with all his money his wallet <laughs> and his keys <laughs> so I was like oof he's not getting home tonight Dear like Lord. 
This is the beginning of his bad night. But I think, well, this is the thing. Well, shout out to my old therapist. She was like, people hate rejection. Because mm. a lot of the time when people cross your boundaries or you're trying to set a boundary with someone and they react so badly, it's because they can't handle the rejection and they make it about them mm. rather than being like, I don't want to make this person feel uncomfortable. I will now stop what I'm doing. And it's just like, it's so fucked up because they, you could just be like, oh, I'm sorry. You're going to hit on people sometimes who aren't into yeah, you. You're going to misread yeah. signals. And there is like a more graceful way to deal with it. And men have not got the memo on that. Well, just again, just, just read the fucking room. Like it's, yeah, it's quite, I, I find it so obvious when someone isn't into you. Like it's so obvious when someone's not into you. But also, like, I think the, like, some people think that the context of a club is, like... Fair game. Yeah, fair game. Or just, like, oh, I'm here because I want to fuck. And that is not necessarily... You know, that's not the vibe that everyone else is having when they're out. Some people are just, like, I want to dance with my friends. Some people are, like, you know, I just want to chill. Mm. Like, it's it's just very presumptuous. And, yeah, I've had it, too, like, with gay men being especially grabby with me. And it's, like, that's why I don't like going to yeah. gay bars. Like, queer bars seem better but then obviously it's like this is like uh, i would go into it but the whole thing of like the safe space and queer safe mm. spaces it's like people aren't necessarily safe to be around because they're queer and like yeah exactly everyone should be more mindful yeah and people's boundaries. the thing i felt yeah there was yeah there's almost someone yeah like grabbed me in a club and sort of like pulled me away from my friends into like this thing and i was just and i managed like i was just like what the fuck are you doing like i'm pushing away and walked off but i was like i'm six foot one i'm like quite i'm quite big and i'm pretty confident and assertive and all of those things and i was just like if i like even then i felt very intimidated and i said to my friend like i need to go home I, like this is just, like kind of fucked me up a bit um mm. and i was just like and, and even then i sort of uh, i was sort of like, comfortable in getting myself out of that situation like if it comes to it i would back myself to like <laughs> smack someone in the face I, I, I mean i would hate the idea of it but like I'm relatively strong. So like if it gets if it comes to it, I could like, you know, wrestle my way out. But it's so it's, depressing it's that you even have yeah, to think about that because it's, it's like, like if anyone else like even then, like this my experience is not as terrifying as a lot of a lot of women go through. Um a lot of smaller twinks go through. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's just um yeah. We've identified that you're you're I'm an otter, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> You're literally like Futch. You're Futch, but for men. I don't know what that Fudge. is. Futch? Yeah, like soft butch, like femme Oh, butch, right. Like yeah, 100%. Butch. Yeah. Yeah. I am... I'm a, Teddy bear butch. I'm, I'm a masculinity's feminine end. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well. I guess you're like a, you're like a, a cuddly mask. A cuddly mask? <laughs> I don't, I'm here know, for I don't that. know what the like, real scales are. Yeah. Um, all very amusing terminology. Guess, yeah. No, men suck, and like drunk people, especially like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People love. I think actually, it's cocaine. I thought cocaine is the worst for, for people oh. talking to me ridiculously. I'm like, no, 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 you can stop now. <laughs> drunk men oh, can push. Drunk men can push away. Drunk men are terrified. They're annoying. Men on cocaine don't <laughs> give a shit about you. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Um, Actually, this just reminded me of this one. This guy was like talking to me. He was he was like so he was so coked up, and uh, yeah, it was like a queer night. And he's just like talking to me off. And it was the guy, the one who was like, uh, "Oh no, we're just talking, just talking." I'm like, "No, we're not, though." And he was like, "I could see that he could see that I was slipping away," and so he went for like a hail mary. And his hail mary was, "Do you know I earn eighty thousand pounds a year?" <laughs> and I just burst out laughing. That's so <laughs> that funny. Was supposed it's to impress also me. weird. 
what men think they're so like, funny it's like oh it's well in that like, case i'm fucking all yours mate <laughs> shag me with your sort of gold encrusted dick what <laughs> it's like what a ridiculous thing to say oh no um, that probably means he's like works in banking or some shit or has invented an app yeah works in finance yeah just yeah just immediately suspicious <laughs> but not on our side there's definitely some He's like closer to war crimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the corporate gay. We do not like them. Um, so the third thing, third thing, in my agenda. Um, I would strongly recommend what I did over Christmas, which was alternating between cough syrup and mulled wine. Um, yeah, I feel like I need to put a PSA for like the teenagers that listen to this. Oh, like, yeah. we do not recommend drugs. <laughs> we do not recommend this. However, they're fun. No. Um. <laughs> um I love mulled wine. Yeah, mulled wine, wine's super nice. Mm. Yeah, so alternating between that and cough syrup, and I sort of felt like a 1990s Houston rapper. I was like, oh, this is what purple drank probably tastes like, where you're just <laughs> making some lean out of, like, melted down codeine or whatever and putting it in Kool-Aid. Mm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, mulled purple drank would be so good. Because <laughs> I feel like I need to make some, like, chopped and screwed beats right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, very in- it was just sort of a very enjoyable, you know, this sort of it was like uh, your general sort of like Christmas mulled wine woos, just a little bit extra. It was good. It was good. A bit more on the wonk. It was yeah, it was wonky. Yeah, it was a bit wonky. I love making my own mulled wine. I was very into like making um Bailey's hot chocolate oh, yeah. over I've like re- lockdown and stuff. I've never really Bailey's got is too sweet. I've never also, got on with hot Bailey's. chocolate literally makes me feel sick. Really? Like I know I'm an adult now because I'm like it's too sweet, you know? Yeah. I like hot chocolate now and again, but Bailey's is just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You're a sophisticated guy, I guess. <laughs> Not at all. No. I'm a cretin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we can promote your podcast. Yeah, I am I am also now a podcaster. Yeah. Um my friend Saad Mabul and I run a podcast called It's Closing Time and it's only on Spotify because we play music on it, but um it's all about the closing tracks on albums and how they're a specific art form and we uh, go through a variety of albums, play a section of deep cut album tracks, finish off with the closer, chat about why they're so good. Um and yeah, the long form of the podcast is try and find what makes an album closer so good? So so far we've looked at um, we've looked at Bjork, we've looked at the horrors. We are going to look at well by the time this comes out, we'll probably have released one, but we're going to look at Burial. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. It's a good time. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're like, I love Carl, his voice is so sexy. There's hours that you can listen to. So many hours of content. Yeah, and there's more to come. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yes, and any other? I don't know. My bisexual agenda is I want my compost bin back. It got stolen by Amelia's weird neighbour. Um, but also, if you haven't seen it yet, you should watch the Megan the Stallion Tiny Desk. Yeah. It's very motivational and it's very good for like a start of a new year. If you're just like, if you have to go to a party and you don't really feel yeah. like it, just put that on when you get ready. It's great. I watched her Glastonbury set and I think I had an awakening. <laughs> she's iconic and she's bisexual might be the hottest person on the planet right now <laughs> she's so cute and so hot it's like how does she do it all yeah and it's really articulate really smart like just yeah gorge 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 go meg queen. go meg meg we love yeah. you baby let's manifest megan i was gonna say get her <laughs> just dm her like hey megan next time you're hey, in the i love that. <laughs> <laughs>
I'd love to have her. Next time you're in Leeds, yes. Get her on. <laughs> Get her on the fucking pod. What do you think her bisexual uh, agenda would be? It would be like money. It, it would be like... Just fuck, her, fuck like, more. Knee, knee workout. It would be like, here's how to keep your knees strong. Mm. It would be something about her dogs. And then it would be like, I want to make more money. I want to go to platinum on every song. Sure. Yeah. Can't or maybe she'd say something about how she is actually bi. Oh, there's also a very good interview she did with someone from the City Girls, Young Miami. Uh-huh. She has an interview with her on Young Miami's YouTube, and the whole intro is them just being like, do you want to fuck me? And I'm like, <laughs> how is this on the internet for free? Wow. <sighs> wow. Can't wait until you and Megan the Stallion have that conversation. <laughs> No, I'm not good enough for her. And her type Nice, is like you short. are good enough. You are good enough. She, said, she posted she posted on Instagram once saying that her type is like short Latinas with tattoos who can dance. And I'm like... Oh, wow. Talk about way to ruin Kit. <laughs> I'm like, I know it's not me, but like I see that for you, Megan, and I hope that you have it. Like, you deserve. Yeah. <sighs> and she's a top, so... Yeah. Wouldn't work. What are you going to do? That's okay. Guess she's going to wrestle. <laughs> 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 oh, right. okay. Wish Fulfillment Corner you. is now finished. I'm glad that's a new feature. On the <laughs> yes. Okay, lovely. Um, this was so much fun. Thank Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed the film review. This was good. Okay. Bye. Bye.